from Cuba to Haiti, South Africa to Lebanon, tinder dry tensions are igniting COVID-19 to blame. The more immunity in the community, the better we can eradicate the threat of the virus. The doctors tell us that we should take it. I'll be the first in line to take it. But if Donald Trump tells us I should ta- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. You know, this uh, show actually airs exclusively on the American Family Radio Network. Be sure to check out our website, AFR.net. But don't just check out the AFR.net website, right? Go to the AFA at the Core podcast page and make sure you ca- uh, catch up and keep up with the latest AFA at the Core episode here on American Family Radio. And on your mobile device, you know, you can subscribe to podcast. whether you're on an Apple, an Android device, so on and so forth. Just type in AFA at the Core wherever you listen to podcast, and go ahead and subscribe. You can listen to the show at your own convenience whenever you'd like by subscribing on your podcast store. And, you know, that intro right there just gives me energy. I'm just... I want to dance in the studio uh, like an Abraham Hamilton the third dance or something. Bobby's over here jigging, uh, running the board for us. Uh, Jeff, good job. Kudos to you on that. Thank you. Je- uh, Jeff's using his talents here for the radio network and for the kingdom of God, and I appreciate that. You know, this week our verse for the week is Matthew 4, verse 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. And, and as I mentioned, uh, as I've mentioned before, um, uh, the reason I did a verse of the week is because, look, folks, remember, memorizing God's Word takes time, it takes effort, it takes repetition. We don't read Scripture once, and then we move on, and then all of a sudden it's it's uh, it's on our heart. We have to meditate on it. We have to repeat it over and over again. You know, there's these studies that show how many times you have to do something for it to become an actual habit. Uh, you're talking weeks of something. You have to do something for every day for weeks for it to become an actual habit to where you do it, you know, out of out of muscle memory and out of just uh, the routine of your day. God's Word uh, should be the same. We need to do it over and over again until it just becomes natural to us. So Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus is being tempted by the devil uh, about, um, you know, the, the devil's offering Jesus all these things as if Jesus is not already the king of the world, right? Uh, and Jesus knows this. Jesus knows he's fully in charge. He's fully God. He's fully man. And uh, he is not going to be fooled by the devil's schemes. And so when the devil's tempting uh, Jesus about uh, having something to eat, Jesus responds and says, quote, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, you know, transitioning off of this scripture, just to an overall burden that I've had, and this something that's been on my heart recently is, you know, we need to, uh, what's going on in our world and what's going on in our country is is negative. It is bad in, in, in many ways. You know, the, the spiritual 
uh, darkness that we see in our society and our culture, um, you know, it's not a good thing. God is not pleased with it. But as Christians, we are not called to live in this constant mode of pessimism, this constant mode of negativity. And it's, it's really easy to get into that slump of everything's bad, everything's doomy, everything's gloomy, everything's dark, this is never going to end, revelation is right around the corner. You know, and you can really begin to, to just check out of life. You can begin to check out of society, check out of the culture, a check out of even your family if you begin to let a negative attitude to persist. And we're not called uh, to sit here and complain and whine and moan about the state of our country, the state of our culture. I don't mind. Many people around me will tell you I'm more of a realist. I'm not going to put things in a light that they're not. But God's word, see, we have this eternal hope provided to us by Jesus Christ himself that while we are here on this earth, no matter how dark it gets, there is always hope. There is always hope. I mean, you and I, as believers, we were brought out of darkness into light. And before that, there was no hope for us. Uh, But here we are today. We have hope. And so we need to continue fighting for our children, for our grandchildren, for future generations here in this country and abroad, uh, that the gospel of Jesus Christ may flourish and and may may, uh, spread abundantly across the world. So that being said, I get up each day here uh, at, at what I do uh, during my part-time job here at American Family Radio, I get up and I'm excited about what I'm doing. I'm excited about what God has in store. Jeff? Yeah, I think you need to clarify that because when you say a part-time job at <laughs> AFA, it sounds like you're only working three or four hours. Yeah, right? yeah. That so is, so, okay. so I pulled that from our, our good friend, Abraham Hamilton III, yeah. who says, and he's got our t-shirts on our resource center, and we'll talk to our resource center director in the next segment, but You know, Abe always says uh, when he begins his show at 5 p.m. Central here on American Family Radio that that many of you are transitioning from your part-time job to your full-time job. And the reason I said that is our our full-time job is discipleship making and and family and marriage. That's our full-time job. And our part-time job, Abe says, always is what we do to earn an income to pay the bills. during during the week so that's my my little <laughs> joke there i'm glad you clarified yeah i just what did one people get the impression that you were tiptoeing around here because everybody yeah or i'm waiting tables hard. in the afternoon or something after i get off the show look i told you guys uh, on monday i don't even have the time that's true. <laughs> to uh to wait tables or have any kind of side gigs i do american family association 24 7 and i also do my family uh, 24/7 and serving them and loving them and trying to be a good father and husband uh, to my to my wife and to my kids. The uh, uh, so that's that and uh, uh, Matthew 4:4 is our verse for the week uh, for this week about not living uh, by bread alone but by every word that com- word that comes from the mouth of God. Yesterday uh, I cited the Dr. Scott Atlas and I played this clip about how uh, this uh, University of Oxford professor said uh, basically that herd immunity is really the way forward with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. But not only did did she say that, this uh, professor that I played yesterday on the show, but she also noted 
um, that heavily relying on masks and, and isolation is really not the path forward either. Um, so it was a pretty, pretty sane, pretty sobering statement, pretty factual statement when you look at the studies. Uh, but the reason I played that clip yesterday, and then it was just, it came up on my mind that, you know, what she said is, is pretty non-controversial, pretty standard statement there. And, and what she said is backed up by all the research. But Dr. Scott Atlas, who worked for President Trump during the Trump administration, he was pretty much saying the same things. And he was ridiculed, he was mocked, and he was just made fun of that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He shouldn't be working for the White House. And so I brought these clips in today of, of Dr. Scott Atlas just eight to nine to ten months ago working for the White House. This first clip we're going to play is Dr. Scott Atlas uh, on the Steve Dace show, good friend of the ministry here, Steve Dace, talking about herd immunity. Clip one, let's listen. Those who are not at risk to die or have a serious hospital requiring illness, we should be fine with letting them get infected, generating immunity on their own. And the more immunity in the community, the better we can eradicate the threat of the virus. Well, there you have it. That's Dr. Scott Atlas. And before you, you some of you guys out there um, who thrive off the COVID panic uh, start, uh, going ballistic there. The context of that is Dr. Scott Atlas, and on all of his other appearances, he said this, and in his writings, he has said this, that he is talking about healthy people. Dr. Scott Atlas is talking about people who are in good health, young people, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, even 50s, who are in, and, and people older than that, that are in very good shape, no underlying conditions, they exercise, have a good diet, their risk of, of severe complications when it comes to the coronavirus is very low. All the studies show that. And so his point is, let's, let's stop quarantining and isolating all these healthy people. Let's let them, let's not send them out to get COVID. That's ridiculous. That's how the media is painting this. That is not what he's saying and not what he said. He's saying, let's let them live their lives. Let's let them go to school. Let's let them go to work go to the grocery store and do their daily activities. And if they happen to contract COVID, of course they go home and stay home until they're better, uh, but they're not, you know, tuck, ducking and hiding from COVID. And so when you do that, and it's, it actually, when you look into it, it actually makes perfect sense. And I said the same thing privately about all these colleges. Remember back in August, 2020, the colleges were all going, Oh, we've got to do this, this, uh, you know, this remote learning and, you know, if, if one person gets sick in this, in this, uh, uh, in this, uh, uh, whatever the dormitory, if one, if one student gets sick in the dormitory on the college campus, we're just going to send everybody home, <laughs> send them back home to their grandparents, right? Uh, with COVID, it, it, it made no sense. And so, you know, one thing I talked about is why not just let these young college students all go back to college. And if some of them happen to get sick, uh, attending college or going out to eat or doing whatever they're doing, uh, then they can just stay on campus and get better and recover. And then they'll be immune. So when they go home for Christmas break, for Thanksgiving break, they have this natural immunity and they're not having to be paranoid about, am I going to get my grandparents sick? Am I going to get my parents sick? Uh, no, but that, that, that kind of common sense that Dr. Scott Atlas was pushing and that many other people 
were, were talking about, that was all uh, shouted down. It was shunned. It was canceled on Facebook and Twitter because, right, we can't talk about that. We can't talk about alternative solutions to dealing with an illness. We just have to go with what the CDC and Dr. Anthony Fauci say. That was Dr. Scott Atlas. I'm going to play one more clip here. This is clip, clip two. This is Dr. Scott Atlas again. By doing total isolation, continuing it, we are preventing the development of population-based immunity, which is the most immediately available way to get rid of this threat. Well, there you have it. Once again, Dr. Scott Atlas saying what pretty much uh, many major uh, medical advisors and medical specialists and experts uh, are now saying and probably have been saying for months, uh, and they're not getting canceled, they're not getting shouted down, but you know, it's probably because they don't work for Trump. They don't work for the Trump administration. And Trump derangement syndrome um, really isn't as much of an issue now that Donald Trump is not in the White House. One more clip related to coronavirus, then we're going to move on, right? Because there's more things in this world going on than coronavirus and the panic that is associated with it in certain circumstances. This clip is of then-candidate Kamala Harris doing a debate with uh, then-Vice President Mike Pence. And would you believe it if I told you that at one time, not that long ago, the current vice president, then candidate for office, said she would just not take the vaccine, right? Let's listen. The Trump administration approves a vaccine before or after the election. Should Americans take it and would you take it? If the public health professionals, if Dr. Fauci, if the doctors tell us that we should take it, I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should ta- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Boy, that's a scientific statement right there, if, if I've heard one. <laughs> Uh, that that is that is wow you know that's trump derangement syndrome 101 i'm not gonna take the vaccine because trump says take the vaccine well what do you know just a few months later she was on national television taking the i'm gonna call it the trump vaccine you know it was the trump administration that sped this thing along and got this vaccine out in record time. And no matter what you think of the vaccine and the side effects, I get all that. I talk about it here on the show. But that vaccine was put out in record time. And you know what the pharmaceutical companies and the FDA and the CDC waited to do? They waited until, I don't know, like a week or two after the election to announce that the vaccine is now going to be available. (laughs) Convenient timing. We'll be back in a few minutes. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. We live in an era currently where spirituality is in vogue. Christ following is not. Some even claim to love Jesus while simultaneously rebelling against his word and encouraging others to rebel similarly. But Jesus said it himself, If you love me, you will obey me. Whoever does not love me does not obey my words. Make no mistake about it. To love Jesus is to obey him. You cannot love Jesus and disobey him. If you're living in open rebellion against Jesus' word, you're not following Jesus as he's revealed himself in scripture. You're following a God you've created.
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Richard Lamb, President of Southern Evangelical Seminary. Welcome to Bringing Every Thought Captive. In the wake of the 4th of July celebrations, it is encouraging to note that polls show that a significant majority of Americans still believe America is a special and exceptional nation. A public religion research institute poll revealed that 62% of American adults believe that God has granted America a special role in human history, a concept most often called American exceptionalism. Even one-third of American atheists, agnostics, and those with, quote, no religious preference, quote, believe America has a special relationship with God. While Americans are not God's chosen nation, America nevertheless is exceptional and blessed by God in unique ways. American exceptionalism is the understanding that America is a unique nation with a unique sense of purpose that started with the nation's settlement and has since morphed through various meanings, all of them centered on the observation that America is distinct from other countries in the world, in its founding, in its government, in its social and economic structures, and in its religious and cultural character. America has been blessed in manifold ways. When you look at our resources, our protection by two oceans, our standard of living, can you argue that America has not been uniquely and providentially blessed? These blessings are not just material. It's remarkable that one generation that produced our founding fathers emerged and put together the Constitution that has served us so well for more than two centuries and has brought unparalleled freedom to an unparalleled number of people, unequaled by any other country in the world. American exceptionalism is not a delusion of national grandiosity, nor is it a source of pride and privilege. It is a doctrine of sacrifice and responsibility and an obligation to help others achieve freedom. To whom much is given, much is required and God's blessings are always undeserved. America has received them, and we must pass them on. For more information about Southern Evangelical Seminary, go to ses.edu. This is Richard Land. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. City Music, and this is something uh, we're going to do each Wednesday here on the show AFA at the Core. We're going to call it Worship Wednesday. We're going to open in the, open up the second segment with a worship song. That was Maverick City Music 
a song I really just heard of a couple weeks ago. Many people have listened to that multiple times before, but uh, that's Maverick City Music, very biblically-based lyrics there from Maverick City Music. The song there is called Promises, Faithful Through the Ages, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. Through the storm, though the storms may come and the winds, winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Promises by Maverick City Music. In studio with us, I have uh, what I just learned is a radio vet here on American <laughs> Family Radio. Now, I have Lene Patrick. She's the director of the AFA Resource Center, formerly known as the AFA Store. Lene, welcome in studio. Thank you for having me. You're on for the first week, the third guest with me here on the show. Lene Patrick uh, is the director of the AFA Resource Center. And I wanted to bring her on because, folks, this uh, coffee mug, this tumbler I'm drinking out of, I'm actually drinking, you know, a little something called American Family Coffee, which we offer on the Resource Center. And this mug here, which uh, we're going to post on our podcast page, AFA at the Core podcast page. You can get this at the Resource Center and many other things. Lenny, tell us a little bit about the Resource Center, your time there, and what y'all offer. Well, um, I've been with the Resource Center for almost five years now, which has gone by very quickly, and a lot of things have really changed during that time. We've, in the last year and a half, especially in the last six months, more intentionally, we've started focusing on products that are AFA unique. Mm -hmm. We realize there are many online Christian book resellers and videos and all that stuff where you can get the music. But here at AFA, we have such a skilled team who produces so many wonderful documentaries and books and resources just for our audience and things that are very applicable to what's being talked on the air Mm-hmm. in our pu- print publications. So that's really what we focus on right now. And we have about 250 little more unique products in our store from wow. the Cultural Institute to DVDs to CDs, books, etc. Awesome. Good deal. What would you say is, what is one or two of the things that have really popped out to you in the last year or two? Uh, we have in his image, we have the God who speaks, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some cultural institutes. Uh, what are one or two that really have popped out and, and done the best? Well, top without a doubt has been the popularity of in his image Hmm. we have we anticipated it to be popular we just had no idea when we began ordering how quickly we would have to reorder so that is always at the top of our bestseller list um another thing is any of our cultural institutes that have to do with government and our engagement with government Hmm. um even right now we've just uh Three weeks, I believe it went live. Uh, MD Perkins, uh, Understanding the Dangers of Gay Christianity. Those have been very popular. And I'm expecting um, this Friday, in fact, Miki Addison's uh, Biblical Response to Critical Race Theory goes live in the store this Friday. So I'm anticipating that one will be a hot product over the coming weeks and months. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, That's encouraging because people want to be informed. They want to be engaged. They want to not only know what's going on, but know how to respond in a biblical manner. Uh, Lene Patrick with the AFA Resource Center, thank you for coming on. You're welcome. There you have it. That's uh, Lene Patrick, our director of our AFA 
Resource Center. And this Resource Center, as she mentioned, she said over 200 or nearly 250 unique products that you can search from. And, you know, I tout the coffee mug here that I'm drinking out of. You can put water or soda in it or whatever you'd like. It's an AFR uh, tumbler. This is, we don't just carry tumblers and t-shirts. We carry resources that help equip you with a biblical worldview. So check that out by visiting our URL, resources.afa.net, resources.afa.net. And one of the products she mentioned from MD Perkins, Understanding the Dangers of Gay Christianity is the name of that video uh, presentation. That will actually be featured on the show tomorrow. I will have MD Perkins in studio with me live to talk about his Cultural Institute presentation and how you can find that. So we'll be talking about these resources each week here on AFA at the core. One story I wanted to make sure I got to is this story out of the Daily Mail. It was a, a study from researchers out of Sun Yetsen University, and they did this study of emissions from 167 cities, pretty extensive study. And they're trying to find out, and they have uh, discovered, uh, which cities in the world are the most uh, carbon, they, they emit the most greenhouse gases, the most, the most uh, uh, cities that, that emit the most greenhouse gases, the most emissions. And you would think, you know, New York City would be like number one, um, L.A., Houston, Texas, you know, all these big American cities, right? Because we're the biggest polluters. But as it turns out, 23 of the top 25 top polluters are out of China. (laughs) They're out of China. What? (laughs) Yes, what is exactly right. And I looked, and I just had to dig to find a U.S. city on this list. The only non-U.S. city, let's see here. Actually, I'm wrong. Wait, no, I'm right. 23 out of the top 25. The only two cities out of the top 25 that were non-Chinese cities are Moscow, Russia, and Tokyo, Japan. The only two cities that are not in China in the top 25 list. But if you, you know, listen to President Biden and listen to VP Harris, you would think that America, we are just polluting this world. You know, my my big truck, it's just going to bring the world down. I'm making the temperatures go up. Global warming, the seas are rising, right? Unless you're Barack Obama and then you buy (laughs) a house on Martha's Vineyard on the sea. But uh, let's don't talk about that, right? Because that's hypocrisy. (laughs) <laughs> so this this study here is is fascinating, very extensive study. Climate change. Here's the headline: Climate change. Just 25 megacities emit 52 percent of the world's urban greenhouse gases, and China is your number one offender by far. China is your number one of, uh, offender, and this is why you know during the Obama days, President Obama's days, we had this Paris Climate Accord. And all these different agreements and treaties that we were entering with all these countries. And, you know, one country that either wasn't even in the treaty or they signed the treaty and then made an agreement not to implement any changes for like 30 years is China. China, the number one offender. And the U.S., we were putting in all these different, you know, regulations in place and and really hindering businesses 
from being able to expand and, and, and do new facilities and, and, and ship more product and all these different things. And they were paying these, these, these taxes and treaties all for climate change. And China was over here uh, uh, not, uh, not observing any of this, not observing any of this and getting away with their, uh, their record-breaking pollution. So the next time, you know, someone shuns you for driving your truck or your car to work or leaving your car running for five minutes in the parking lot somewhere, next time somebody shuns you, just tell them to go over to China and talk to the Chinese government about their carbon pollution footprint. And uh, if they go over to China, they'll probably won't return. They probably won't come back. Why? Because China's a communist country, and they squash speech. They squash speech they don't agree with, which is a major, major issue. We've been watching uh, recently the what's going on uh, around the world with these different countries that are experiencing some unrest. And I have a clip in a few minutes of the Department of Homeland Security telling the Cubans that they're not welcomed in America, the ones that are trying to flee and uproot communism there in Cuba. But before I get to that, I have to get to this CNN clip. This is this is pretty stunning. CNN and, and others, even Jen Psaki at the White House, they're trying to put a spin on this unrest across the world in South Africa, in Haiti, in Cuba, they're trying to put a spin on all this as if it's, you know, climate change and COVID-19 and uh, economics and, oh, they just don't have enough food. Let's listen to what CNN has to say. From Cuba to Haiti, South Africa to Lebanon, tinder-dry tensions are igniting. Crippled economies burdened by COVID-19 are partly to blame. In Cuba, angry citizens incensed by lack of food, medicine and freedom, as well as spiraling coronavirus infections, are getting beaten back by police for demanding the ouster of President Miguel Diaz-Canel. In a national broadcast, he blamed Cuba's economic woes on U.S. sanctions imposed under former President Donald Trump. We explained to the Cuban people very clearly that we were about to enter a very rough period of time. Reality is, Cuba's weak economy and healthcare system is being brought to its knees by COVID-19. Infections soaring, only a little more than 16% of Cubans fully vaccinated. Well, there you have it. And, and if you listen to that, uh, you wouldn't get the sense that uh, communism is a problem or, you know, human rights is an issue here. Um, or the fact that, you know, some people just desire freedom. Uh, you would get the sense that, oh, we just need to ship some uh, food down to Cuba and, I don't know, beef up their hospitals a little bit. Uh, maybe just give them some more f financial aid, right? Um, and that'll make the Cuban people all happy again. But the fundamental issue here that CNN, the mainstream media, the Biden White House don't want to admit is that Cuba is a problem because of communism. The issues in Cuba are a direct result of communism. Communism doesn't work. The reason they won't say that is because they themselves are communist. Oh, how can you say that, Walker? The Democrats aren't communists. They're just for more welfare. They're just for more social programs to help the poor and the needy. 
Who are we kidding? This is why Bernie Sanders just can't bring himself to criticize the Communist Party of Cuba and the communist leadership of Cuba. Why? Because he himself sympathizes with the communist. He himself sympathizes with the communist. And look, maybe 5, 10, 15 years ago, you could have convinced me that to call the Democrats communists is a little bit too far. But when you look at where they are now, they are communist. They are heavy-handed communist and they even lean towards dictatorships. Why else would the Biden administration, and I've covered this story, why else would the Biden administration want to partner with not just big tech companies, but they want to partner with cell companies, with SMS providers, short message system, or short message service providers to regulate vaccine misinformation? That's what they've said. They want to partner with your Verizons and your AT&Ts and your T-Mobiles and your major cellular companies to filter what gets sent out via private text messages. That is what China does. That is what Cuba does. Cuba has cut off major access to social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and others. You can't access that in Cuba right now. Why? Because you might be spreading information about how to be free in Cuba. And you can't have that. Cuba will not allow that. The government, this is why we cannot allow. We cannot allow the Democrats, the government, the Republicans, I don't care what party, to start partnering and colluding and getting access to the our, our, basically our infrastructure, our utilities, and start partnering with them because that is what China does. China can cut off the internet in a matter of minutes to every living human being in China. And that's how they control the narrative that's how they control the spread of information. Let's play this 20-second clip. This is DHS Secretary Mayorkas. The time is never right to attempt migration by sea. To those who risk their lives doing so, this risk is not worth taking. Allow me to be clear. If you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States. Cubans wanting freedom are not welcome to the shores of Florida or America, but the MS-13 gangs coming up through Texas, well, they're welcome to our country and they're welcome to settle here and we'll pay for all their bills. AFA at the core, we'll be back in a few minutes. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. 
We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. And we thank you for your support. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Genesis, its historical narrative. This is Ken Ham, author of the new book on godly parenting, Will They Stand? Have you ever read through Genesis in one sitting? You know, if you do, you'll notice there's no change in style between Genesis 1 through 11 and Genesis 12. What do I mean? Well, some Christian leaders say Genesis 1 to 11, creation, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel, is mytho-history. They say real history starts with Abraham in Genesis 12. But the entire book reads this historical narrative from beginning to end. It all reads as an historical account because it is. And Genesis 11 and 12 both mention Abraham linking those histories together. The entire Bible agrees, Genesis is history. Find thousands of free articles, videos, resources, and more at AnswersRadio.com. You'll be equipped and encouraged with God's Word when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the last segment of this Wednesday edition of AFA at the Core. As I mentioned in the last segment, if you want to know more of our resources, you want to order this uh, AFR Tumblr that I have, you can go to resources.afa.net. And when you're there, not only can you get this Tumblr, but we also have coffee that you can order, American Family Coffee, to go in the Tumblr. And then we have uh, literally uh, over 200 resources, DVDs, books uh, that can help train you and help prepare you to take on the tough issues that we face in our culture, the tough issues that we face in our society. So go to our resource center, resources.afa.net, and order some resources to train your children, your family, your church, your Sunday school. Uh, A lot of great things there for you to shore up your biblical worldview. And Going into the break, I played a clip of the Department of Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, talking about or responding to, rather, what's going on in Cuba. And the reason I played that clip is not necessarily because I disagree with him, because everyone who enters this country should do so in a legal manner, not on a boat illegally, not crossing the Rio Grande in a raft illegally, Uh, People entering this country should do so in a legal manner. We have processes in place to uh, field 
request for people who need to be led in the country, whether it be through emergency circumstances or people who would just like to come to America and work and live and raise a family. We have processes in place. And it took the Biden administration three to five months, maybe longer. I'll have to go back and do my research, but I know for certain it took the Biden administration months, months to clearly state on national television that illegal immigrants coming up from Central and South America do not need to come here. They do not need to enter our country illegally because it is bad. And I don't even know if the Biden administration went that far. I just know they finally had enough pressure to say you should not come. Well, it takes two days of the Cuban people being upset and having an uprising there because they're fed up with communism and how it doesn't work and how it leads to terrible living conditions, terrible quality of life. It took the the Department of Homeland Security Secretary two days, not two months, two days to tell the Cuban people, the freedom-seeking people in Cuba to not come to America. And you wonder why that is. Could it be that some Cubans actually love America? And if they come here, they're probably not going to vote the way that the Cuban dictatorship is run. They're probably going to vote for freedom. And the freedom-loving people in this country are conservatives or Christians and are Republicans. Speaking generally here. And so the DHS, the DHS secretary spent no time telling the people of Cuba they are not welcome here. If they come here, they will be turned away in an expedited manner. There's this news story out of Georgia. And, you know, one thing we, one struggle we had in uh, months ago following the election heading into January, into December, December of 2020, January of 2021, is there were these stories of election integrity issues, whether it be uh, just outright illegal voting or whether it be uh, not enough accountability procedures in place to be able to verify votes. Um, You had the issues with some of the machines not being secured we have documented cases of, 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 of the, the machines, the voting, the tabulation machines not being secured. Not that they're actually some of them were on the internet on Wi-Fi without any kind of firewall or any kind of protection there. So we can talk about that for three shows. But we're actually people are actually starting to get their hands on uh, ballots from 2020 to actually forensic uh, do a forensic audit of them. And we've seen the forensic audit going on in Arizona. I'm very interested in the results there. Uh, as I've said uh, privately, I haven't said this on the air yet, but the, the Arizona audit is going to tell us a lot. The Arizona audit, I read an extensive story about how the Arizona audit took place, and it's already actually completed. The report, the, the, report, the results haven't been released yet. They're going to be delivered to the state legislature. But the Arizona audit will tell us a lot. It will tell us, were there any shenanigans? Were there any inaccurate ballots in the batches? It will answer all of those questions. The ballots, the paper ballots, do not lie, so long as you f- do a forensic audit. And that forensic audit was, was I'm talking about, they were using 
military-grade technology and banking-level accountability procedures to ensure that that audit was done excellently. Audit was done uh, perfectly, and there was even an FBI, former FBI guy, that went and reviewed uh, the audit procedures, and he said it's the best thing he's ever seen, uh, which probably means more states should do that. Personally, I think forensic audits should be mandatory. After at every federal or statewide election, yeah, right, why, why not, not, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff said, why not? And I completely agree uh, because, look, we do audits of our of our banking records. The IRS is always digging through our finances. Uh, so why not do an audit? And, uh, and, and so the audit should be mandatory. And this would be, this, the, what I'm talking about, should state legislatures, and if I were a governor, I were a state legislature or a lawmaker, I would pass a law saying that we're going to do a, a, a forensic audit after every statewide or federal election. Any statewide election gets a forensic audit automatically in the weeks following the election because this only bolsters voter confidence. This only bolsters the confidence of the American people that their elections are being run fair and square. To the story out of Georgia that I started this with, uh, this story is out of just out of justthenews.com. It's a John Solomon outfit. Uh, he used to be with a couple other outlets, and now he's running his own news service, justthenews.com. The group in Georgia that requested these ballots to review for themselves, or, or requested access to these ballots, is Voter GA, or Voter Georgia is the name of this group. Voter GA said in a press release, I'm reading directly from the story here, Tuesday, it said in a press release Tuesday of this week, it has determined that Fulton County in Georgia, Fulton County's hand count audit of the November 3rd, 2020 election was riddled with, quote, massive errors and provable fraud, end quote. Moving on, the images were made public, the images of the ballots and the tabulations were made public after petitioners won a court order on April 13th and voter GA lobbying efforts, which led the Georgia General Assembly to make all ballot images public under the open records request beginning March 25th. The team's analysis revealed that 923 out of 1,539 mail-in ballot batch files contained votes incorrectly reported in Fulton's official November 3rd, 2020 results. Moving on, the press release from Voter GA said that these inaccuracies are due to discrepancies in votes for Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and total votes cast compared to their reported audit totals for respective batches. Thus, the error, listen to this, folks. Listen to this error rate. Thus, in Fulton County, the error reporting rate in Fulton's hand count audit is a whopping 60%. 60% of the ballots that were counted had a mistake in the way that they were tabulated in Fulton County of these 1,539 mail-in ballots. This is scandalous. This is criminal. And I have viewed the ballots myself, the pictures, the, uh, uh, the scans of these ballots that this group got. And you would see, we're, we're talking about, about mail-in ballots. 
Mail-in ballots means that someone, a human, has to count them, right? They open the envelope. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, whoever, uh, they, they, they circle, and they, they write this down on a yellow sheet of paper. Well, you see, uh, under Barack Obama, you would see one of these uh, tabulation sheets, these yellow reporting sheets, and you would see, I don't know, I'm just throwing out numbers. This is a hypothetical. Uh, you would see, you know, 35 votes for, for Barack Obama. Um, you would see 75 votes for uh, Mitt Romney, uh, you know, three votes for the independent, so on and so forth. Well, on many of these, you would see 100 votes for Joe Biden and zero votes for everyone else. And I saw a Twitter commentator, uh, not more than a Twitter commentator, uh, a conservative uh, activist that said, this is Saddam Hussein type stuff. You know, where you go to uh, Cuba, Venezuela, or uh, other uh, Middle Eastern countries, and you see where where the elections are 100% rigged. From day one, people know going to the ballot that their election is rigged. They still go anyway because they have a little bit of hope. And so this coming out of uh, of John Solomon's uh, news outfit there, just the news, um, we'll, we'll post this. Uh, I'll post a link to this on my personal uh, Twitter and Parler page so you can go there and find it. And it's on uh, justthenews.com is where this report is coming from. And, folks, this is not, you know, if you're watching on Facebook, you can see the report here maybe if we zoom in a little bit. Uh, but this is not, you know, this is not, Dominion voting system uh, conspiracies or theories. Not that those may not have some kind of credence at some point, but thus far they haven't been definitively proven. They've just been theories floated out there. But this is, is, is verified. John Solomon does not put stuff out that is not true, that is not verified. And this group through an open records request, got this, got their hands on these ballot scans, these scans of the actual ballots and the in the final tabulations, and they're finding these discrepancies. They're finding these discrepancies. And so the Arizona audit might uncover something similar. It might not. It might uncover that the election was run fair and square in Arizona. We don't know. We'll have to see. I think we do have to be very careful and this is the problem that, that some of, of the Trump associates, as much as I liked President Trump, some of his associates and allies, and I'm not going to name names here, but they were floating stuff out there that they could not themselves prove. And that is a problem. If we are going to put out that the election is not being run fair and square, that there were shenanigans, we need to be able to point to factual evidence that proves it. Because if we don't, we're being just like the other side, who often floats, right, the Russia hoax and all these other conspiracies to try to bring down Donald Trump. If we're going to look at uh, stuff and make accusations about how our elections are run, we need to have the evidence in our hands, the irrefutable evidence in our hands. That is just the responsible thing to do. And here we are. The ballot uh, images have been reviewed in Fulton County to a certain extent, and this group called Voter GA in Georgia has said that they have uncovered, quote, a whopping 60% uh, uh, error reporting rate. 
and, quote, massive errors and provable fraud. And this doesn't look good for the Georgia governor and the Georgia secretary of state. Even though they're Republicans, for, for months they have been saying there's nothing wrong here, there's nothing to see, our election was clean and fair and secure and done right. And here we are, Fulton County, Atlanta, Georgia area. This group has uncovered fraud that they say is massive and provable, and they have the ballot tabulations and the images themselves. Uh, one other story I want to mention before we wrap up the show. There was a victory last week in Washington, D.C., where you had, if you remember, we all remember, we're haunted by this in some instances, where we had mayors and governors telling churches they couldn't have services during the COVID pandemic. Washington, D.C. was the same. Mayor Browser in Washington, D.C. had these uh, stringent requirements and restrictions on churches, and one church that said they had had enough and took the D.C. mayor to court is Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Capitol Hill Baptist Church was told they could not have services during the COVID-19 pandemic, and this went on for months. Well, uh, on Thursday of last week, the Capitol Hill Baptist Church with their team of lawyers, Hiram Sasser with First Liberty, Executive General Counsel, which I know uh, as a friend, First Liberty, on behalf of Capitol Hill Baptist Church, won the lawsuit against the D.C. mayor and the Baptist Church there was awarded $220,000 in legal fees for unconstitutionally shutting down a church during the COVID-19 pandemic. So I hope that church will put that right into the offering plate on behalf of the D.C. government and expand their services and begin to reach more people. We'll see you tomorrow on AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association 